0: The first question that comes to my mind is if I have a junior higher, then where did they go? <laughs> they told me they were going to the pool. Anyway, okay. Uh, like, could we stand together in honor of God's word? I am the bread of life. Here we go. John 6. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. "'which the Son of Man will give you. "'For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval.'" Then they asked him, "'What must we do to do the works God requires?' Jesus answered, "'The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent.'" So they asked him, "'What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? "'What will you do? "'Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness.'" I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, you have a very strong word, a very important word for our understanding of the gospel. Would you hide me behind the cross? We don't need man's opinion. We don't need man's anything. We need you, Jesus. Please hide me. And Father, as one of those that are in this congregation, we choose surgery now, even if it's painful. Please speak to us the hard thing that we need to hear. We give you permission to speak that hard thing rather than continuing to postpone surgery and, and living with something that is slowly killing us. Please help us. Please, God, we need you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the bread of life, I am the bread of life. I started working on this message. I got going. I got excited, and I realized this is not a message. This is two messages. So now this is I am the bread of life, part one. Um, last week was I, just I am. And it was about Jesus revealing himself as the I am of the Old Testament. And we define the I am means Jesus transcends time. That he doesn't live in time. He never lived in time. He came into time. He is the self-existent, pre-existent one. Who is uncreated. That is who Jesus is in Himself. And and the gospel invites us to put our trust in the one who is fully man, fully God, who sacrificed Himself on the cross. And that was all last week. We talked about that. So, the rest of the series, Jesus says, I am, and then He fills the blank in. Here's who I am. And if you'll grab a hold of it, you'll find out who I am for you. What, what I am going to do in you, what I came to do in you. This week, I am the bread of life. And point one is the life of God. When he says, I am the bread of life, this is a very interesting Greek word for life. It is the word zoe, Z-O-E, and Vine's Greek dictionary defines it this way, life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself. John chapter 5 verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. This is God's life. There's another Greek word for human life. This is at life as God himself has it. So here is the plan of God. They said, we want a sign. Moses gave this sign. Bread came from heaven and they ate it. That was the sign that, that Moses was God's man. And Jesus says, listen. The bigger plan, the bigger plan that God had for all time is that life would come from heaven. I am the bread of life. I am the one sent from the Father, and I came to bring life, to bring the Zoe of God into this world for mankind. This was the plan from the beginning. When God made Adam and Eve, they had human life. Even though they were in the image of God, they are created with human life, but they're invited to divine life. Do you remember the two trees? One is called the tree of life. We find out in Genesis 3.22, it's the the tree of eternal life. God is offering mankind that he has created... He doesn't create them with eternal life. He creates them for eternal life. That for them to come into their full destiny, they must partake of God's life. This is who God created them to be. And of course, we know Adam and Eve didn't eat of that tree and they were locked out of the garden. Um, In God's foreknowledge, the bigger plan was that Jesus would come and give the same offer. offer. Listen to John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now this verse has been misinterpreted so many times in so many different ways and to take as, look, Jesus wants to make our lives better. If, if, you, if you come to Jesus, he's going to give you a better life. You know what? That's actually true, but that's not what this verse is about. This verse is this. Jesus says, here's why I came. I came that you might have Zoe. I came to release to you a new life, I, God's life. I came so that God's life would be in you, and that you would have it in an overflowing way. This is about the witness that we have. We'll talk about that the next time I preach on the bread of life, which is in a couple weeks. That, that, that we're going to have this life that is the light of men, and it's going to overflow. It's going to be like a river coming out of us for others to see. I'm already preaching about it. I can't do that. I've got plenty today. got plenty today. We just memorized... In, the, in, the, uh, in 2 Peter, um, we had a whole series on 2 Peter 1, but I'm just going to read this to you, verse 4. For by these, which is a reference back to his own glory, for by his own glory and excellence, i.e., who he is in himself, by his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you might become partakers in the divine nature. We are called to share the Zoe of God. This is what the gospel is here to give, to, to give us, participant, to participate in God's very life. Without the life of God, we will perish. John 3:16, the golden text of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Without eternal life, you will eventually perish. No matter how strong you are, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter how together you have it, you are perishing on the inside. You will not perish after your first death. You're for, Jesus made it very clear no one perishes after death. You, you have a, a day of judgment, you perish. Without eternal life in you, you perish in what's called the second death. It's also called the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a place where those who have rejected Christ will pay a price for all their sins against humanity. This is God's justice for sin on those who reject his provision for sin, which is Jesus Christ. Those without eternal life will eventually perish. Now, here's the good news. Those who have eternal life, it doesn't matter how old you are or how frail you are or how sick in body you are. When when God's eternal life is in you, you're actually being renewed day by day. Listen, Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Now this is the amazing things for those who have received God's life. For those who have eternal life, is, uh, the best is yet to come. And it doesn't matter that you're sick. It doesn't matter that you're in pain. And you got, I've got this pain. And I, I can't walk as good as I used to. I don't remember everything I used to. And I, I'm just, I'm getting older and older. And how, how depressing. Uh, nope. How exciting. I'm almost done with this journey. Praise God. There's a better home awaiting. I got eternal life burning in me, and I know I got it in me. And that, that reward is getting closer and closer and closer, and I can't wait. And my time's almost done here, and I don't want to slow up near the end of my race. I want to I finish strong before I go. For those that have eternal life, death, physical death, is a new beginning. Very much like a baby being born. A baby is alive already in the womb, um, but it's kind of limited and it's kind of dark. And, 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 and when it gets born, it's not the end. It's actually the beginning of a, of a, a life of beauty and freedom and choices. And, and guys, this whole life, it's a little dark. It's a little hard. L- listen, God's preparing us for eternal life. He's preparing us for that Life that ha- that begins actually after we die. The life of God. This is God's purpose, is to give us the bread of life, which is nothing less than His Zoe, His His life in us. That's point one. Here's point two: the foundation of life. First, it requires death to our old life. Romans six three and four. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Once again, Zoe. Water baptism. Where you, where you get dunked and come out of the water, is a picture of the actual baptism that happens in the Spirit when you come to Christ. We are baptized into his death, which means that we die to our old life. We die to who we were. We die to what we made of ourselves as human beings, as human life, what we built up, what we were trying to accomplish. We we have to die to that, and then we find our identity in Christ's death. We die with him, and then we can now build this new life of Zoe, this new life in God's life. Now, this is very problematic with human beings, especially with Americans. Here's why. God doesn't want to improve your life. He wants to become your life. Here's another way to say it. Jesus doesn't want to be an addition to your house. He doesn't want to be the new screened-in porch that you built on. And that I, I built this, and now I'm a Christian, and I've added the Jesus porch onto my house. And this is the Jesus room, and I go in there once in a while, and isn't this beautiful? Isn't this cool? I already had all this stuff going, and now I've got Jesus too. And there's this little room with Jesus. That, that's not, that's not... It, it, here's what God wants. You want to come to Jesus? Great. Okay, he's going to tear down what you built and he's going to lay a new foundation where you die to what you built. And he starts over with Zoe. He starts out with, with himself at the foundation. And now you and him are going to build something up together that is going to be built and, and beautiful and powerful and it's going to last forever. But that's that's Salvation. Here's the problem. It doesn't matter that I say it. It doesn't matter that it's written here. It doesn't even matter that you understand it. It, It's just very American to get as much as you can, and you've already got your life, and I'm going to add a little of this to it. And what the problem with that Christianity? Where you just Jesus is an improvement. Jesus is kind of something I've added on to make my life, even my good life, even better. Here's the problem. It's it's not going to work. That Christianity doesn't work. It's going to leave you disappointed with your Christianity. It's going to leave leave you disillusioned with your Christianity at best. That's the best case scenario where you recognize, oh, this isn't, I'm disappointed, I'm disillusioned, and maybe I don't want to be a Christian. That is the best case scenario. Here's the worst case where you adapt, you just make the gospel about this add-on thing, and you end up, not disappointed or disillusioned, but deceived. And you become one of those, and Jesus said there's going to be many in that day, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, read it yourself. Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, that won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And they will say, we did miracles in your name, we prophesied in your name, we, we cast out demons in your name, and Jesus will say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you never really knew me. You never accepted me as me. Here's the problem it is possible, it is possible to make the gift something that God's not offering. Sometimes the gift offered is different than the one you asked for. All right, let's let's talk about this. So here's the here's the gift they asked for. This is we're back in John 6 now. Jesus had just multiplied the bread and they all ate And then he got into the boat. They went to the other side. And they get to the other side. And these people that had experienced this miracle on the other side had walked all the way around the lake. And when he gets to the other side of the lake with the disciples, they're all waiting for him. You want to know what Jesus' response was? He says this. You guys did not walk around that lake because of the sign that I gave that I'm the Messiah. You want to know why you walked around the lake? because you were hungry and you got fat. You got free food. You got free food and you want more free food. This is oftentimes what we're wanting from our Christianity. We need help in our life. and We want God to help us. We just want a little more free food. And so Jesus says, with great love, listen, he goes right to their motive. He says, don't work for the food that perishes. Work, work for the food that lasts until eternal life. Work for eternal things. Make your life around eternal things. And they said, how do we do this work? What are the works of God? And then Jesus says this, the work of God is to believe on the one he has sent. And I can imagine what they're thinking when he says that. Oftentimes probably the same thing that we would say in this service. That's it? Just believe? That's, that's easy enough I can do that Then he goes into what believe means <laughs> And he starts saying how radical their identification is going to have to be with him He says, listen, unless you drink my blood Unless you eat my body You, you, you can have no part of me And they're like, whoa, whoa, okay this is, this is not what we signed up for. This is radical. I, I'm going to be, to be his. I must internalize his sacrifice. His sacrifice of the blood of Jesus is not some covering. It has to be drank. It has to cleanse me in the inside. My identity has to be in the cross. Listen, the reason why believers will not stand in judgment for their sins is this. Sin has already been judged. It was judged on the cross. And when you internalize what Jesus did and you make your life in him, you are washed. You are washed not just outwardly, you're washed inwardly. The blood of Jesus becomes part of who you are. When, you, when we walk with Jesus, he is our food. We eat him. He is, he is our daily bread. This life, this ongoing life, we'll talk about it more next time, is, is our, it sustains us. So he's talking, all of a sudden believe means more than mental ascent. It means radical identification with his death and resurrection. Here's what they say. This is John chapter six, verse 60. On hearing it, Many of of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This is different than what we signed up for. So I want us to look for just a moment at the rich young ruler. He tells... He tells Jesus up front the gift he's asking for. He wants eternal life. He says, how can, I, how can I inherit eternal life? I've already got a good life. I've already got a lot of stuff going. How can I ensure myself that I have eternal life? And Jesus' response to him is very disturbing. Here it is. Verses 20 through 23 of Mark 10. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, listen, the gift, the gift that I'm offering, it's going to cost you everything. He had given a list of all the commands he was keeping. He left out one horizontal command, and that was covetousness. His identity was in his money. His identity was in his stuff. This is what he held onto, And Jesus said, not going to work. It's not going to work. Get rid of that identity. You're going to have to sell everything, give that to the poor, and follow me. It's not going to work as long as you're holding on to that identity. And he went away sad. He, it was very clear to him what Jesus was saying. And he went away sad because he, he, he was wealthy. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, it's really hard for rich people. It's really hard for those who have a lot going on their own to really become Christians. Because I've already, I've already, I like who I am. I I've, I've, I've built this and I built that. And I've got this going. Got this. And whatever our identity is, Jesus will say, yeah, you can't have your identity in that. I actually have to be your identity. I can't be a, a, a part of your identity. I can't be like some extra thing that I'm this and I'm that. No, no, I have to be the center. I have to. This is the only way it works. Sometimes, The gift being offered is different than the one we ask for. Jesus said in in, uh, Luke 14, because of this, he said, before you become a Christian, you need to count the cost. You need to decide if you got enough money to finish the tower. Otherwise, if you don't count the cost, you're going to start building, and you're going to stop. You're not going to finish it, and it's going to be shameful that you even started. You're going to embarrass yourself in front of people that you even started. You decide at the beginning. Count the cost. And, And you say, Pastor Tom, how can a gift cost us something? Well, let me tell you about a gift we were offered that we simply couldn't afford to have. So it's it's my son Matt. It's his it's the summer before his senior year, and he's got a summer job. But going into the fall, my oh my, he's involved in sports. He's involved in. All the musical production, he's involved in knowledgeable. He is he's he's just going to be very he's got a band that he's in on the side. We know he cannot work in his senior year. He's got AP courses, he's going to be busy 24-7. There's no way he can work. Well, that summer, halfway through the summer, Alice's aunt, who adores Matt, calls and thank thank you, God, that she called Alice and I and not Matt directly, and she said, I want to give Matt a gift. Okay, what do you want to give him? I want to buy him a brand new car. Well, for starters, we've never had a brand new car. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You want to give a 17-year-old a brand new car. And we're just thinking, when she's when she offers this, we're like, this is amazing. What kind of kid gets a brand new car? I mean, wow, that's awesome. And But we have to think about it, and it takes about an hour to do all of the math. We are living, four little kids, or four kids, pastor's salary, we are living paycheck to paycheck. There is no way we can afford to have a new car. Why? Insurance. Do you know how much it costs to insure a brand new car for a 17-year-old boy? We're talking of like hundreds of dollars a month to insure it. We cannot afford to have a brand new car. And I know if she had called Matt, Matt would have said yes without ever counting the cost. It just, yeah, are you kidding me? And then it would have, at some point, it, we would he would experience the math of it. No, I can't have this car. Now, in this case, our aunt changed the gift. She bought him a used car and paid the whole first year of insurance for him so that he could still get the car, but... But what I want you to get is sometimes a gift is offered that you can't afford to have. Christianity is one of those gifts. There are costs. And because it's so abstract to say you've got to lose yourself, you've got to die to yourself, I'm going to just, I'm going to put right up front, I've, got, I've just got five here, five costs that having the gift of eternal life, Will cost you. I'm going to just tell you it right up front. Number one. You are going to lose your independence. You don't get to be a self-made man or a self-made woman. You don't get to be the hero of your life anymore. You lose that. You lose. You will lose. Maybe not right away. But you will eventually lose it. Your right to stay angry and hold grudges. You could do it for a while, and I've, I've seen some Christians last a long time, but at some point, you will decide between your hatred and Jesus. You, can't, you will not, it doesn't matter how much you feel like you have a right to be angry and hateful, eventually, you will be called on it, and you'll have to decide between Christianity and your, and your right to be angry. Number three, you lose your right to control your money. <laughs> this is part of it, folks. He becomes owner of everything. And you you become a steward. I'm not saying you can't still use your money, but you don't own it anymore. You have to think about your money differently. He will call you on it just like he called the rich young ruler on it. At some point, you're gonna have to make an exchange. You lose your right to set your own sexual boundaries. Now this is a huge deal today because we don't want anybody telling us when we can have sex and who we can have sex with and the idea that that God is going to have limits on our sexual boundaries. Uh, And like I said, maybe not right away, but eventually you will crash up against this. You will have to decide whether you're going to be a Christian or... If your main identity is going to be your sexuality and I'm going to, I insist on my sexuality as my identity and nobody, and I'm going to only have religion that lets me do whatever I want to do and how I want to do it and when I want to do it. You'll have to make that decision. Maybe not right away, but eventually. God has to be the one who sets our sexual boundaries. And then then fifth, you lose your right. (laughs) Listen to this one. You lose your right to understand where you are going and why you are going there. This is part of Christianity. He gets to lead, and he gets to lead you wherever he wants to lead you, and he doesn't have to explain it to you. So that brings us to God's return policy. Okay, so I've got this, I asked for this gift, I thought I was getting this gift, and that's not the gift I got. I actually got something very different, and I didn't want that gift. What is the return policy with God? So my youngest daughter is getting married in October, If you were hoping to be invited and you didn't get invited, I am sorry. The invitations are already out. (laughs) Hey, we had another Flaherty wedding. My oldest daughter, Annie, and everybody in the whole church was invited. It was a potluck. Everybody could bring a dish to pass. Everybody. But this is a small wedding, and only the invitations have gone out. If you weren't in that, I am so sorry about that. But the invitations are already out. All right. So here's how it works now. The invitation goes out by email. There's no paper invitation. It's just It goes out by email. And then they say whether they're coming or not. And right on email, they, do, they go to the gift registry. And now they don't even have to wait for the wedding. They can actually buy the gift and send the gift ahead of the wedding. And so gifts started arriving in her fiancé's yard. They just drop off these gifts. Well... A couple weeks ago, here's what got dropped off in their lawn. A crib. They're not having a baby. They're getting married. Why is there... Can you imagine her fiancé? There's a crib in our lawn. Can you imagine? The neighbor's going past. Why is there a crib in that lawn? What's going on here? And... Uh, so we, we, they got to the bottom of it. It turns out Matt and Shannon, our, our oldest, they are having a baby. And they, do, they have a registry too and it's for something else. And apparently it's somehow on the same website. And Beth took the wrong thing from his website and put it on hers accidentally. And then somebody just bought it <laughs> and sent it. And, and so then when you, get a, when you get a gift that you didn't ask for, the return policy is very important to you. you know. And in this situation, if you don't open the gift, you could send it back. No, There's no expense in sending it back, and they just reimburse whatever the price was. But everybody knows this is part of our culture, isn't it? At Christmas, it becomes very important what the return policy is. And every store's got a different return policy. Has anybody noticed this? Some, you've got to have the tag still on. Some, you've got to have the receipt. Some, and I've learned this, if your personality is strong enough, you can get, you, you can get a refund no matter what. You just, you, just are, you just stand there and they eventually just say, I'm going to just get rid of you. Yes, here's your refund. Anyway, um, so here's the question. Okay, so I I raised my hand to become a Christian. I prayed the prayer to accept Christ. And now I'm having this conflict with uh, one of these five areas. Or it's it's interesting. God is really, he's going to call you on any area that you want to hold to your own. There's more than those five. There's absolutely any area that you want to make your identity in. God's going to point at and say, nope, nope, I need to have that. And so you're like, What is the, can I return this? This isn't what I signed up for. Can I return this? And here is the answer. Yes. Look at John chapter 6, verses 66 and 67. Here's what it says. John 6. As a result of this, this conversation, who can hear this? These are difficult words. We didn't, this isn't why we came and followed him. Many of his disciples. So these people were following. They're already in withdrew, and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. So here's the return policy. At some point, you bump up against something, and this is not what you signed up for. You can walk away. God's not going to hold you to your original decision. (laughs) It's even worse than that. If you see somebody else walk away from God, somebody that was a Christian who walks away, do you know what God's response is that to you? How about you? Do you want to leave too? Maybe the lie they're believing, the thing they're offended with, maybe you're offended by it. Go ahead. God is just very secure in himself. He's very generous. He's offering something incredible to the human race. But if you don't want it, he's not going to for it. But he's not going to change it. He's not going to change it for you. Do you notice he doesn't chase any of these people and say, hey, let me make a deal with you. And Mr. Rich Young Ruler, I love you. And you don't have to sell everything. Just sell a little and we'll, we'll make it. We want you. You'd be such a great Christian. He doesn't do that. He loves people so much that he will not change what he's offering. You have to come in on his terms. But you can return it. You can return it whenever you want to. But I want to tell you what happened to me last Friday night. So uh, I have got a sister that lives in California, and her and her husband were coming here for a couple days. So I took Thursday off. They are the most gracious, loving, welcoming people. Every time we've gone out there, there's nothing they will not do for us to make us feel welcome. And I'm just, I'm on an absolute mission to love on them and make them feel welcome. And so we schedule this party for just my siblings and their spouses at our house on Thursday night. I get the lawn mowed. I get the steaks bought. It's just it's just wonderful and and so we're serving them we're loving them we play croquet together it is just a great night Thursday night. And then Friday, I know I've got Friday off. Friday is my day off. And so on Friday, we're, we play golf with them. Then we go kayaking with them. And then my brother Mike has a party at his house. And once again, we're together. And we're, we're playing games. And we're, we're feasting. And we play cards together. And there's laughing. And, and it's just a great time. And there's no agenda in my heart at all of I I mean, I pray at the meals, but there's no agenda. You know, I'm going to just, I'm going to get Jesus to them. That's not, that's just, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Anyway, (laughs) trust me, I've tried it. Uh, So here it is. It's it's 1030 Friday night. And that's an hour and a half past my bedtime, in case you're wondering. And we're on the back porch. It's totally dark. We're on Mike's back porch. And my sister-in-law, and she's had too much to drink. And she actually says, I would not even bring this up if I, if I, if I wasn't drinking. But I want to I bring it up. I want to talk to Tommy and Alice about God. I want to get my questions answered. And, and, and she gives the reason. She says, I would never... She was so wounded in the church that she grew up in, so wounded and so hurt, and she's carried that wound. She said, I would never bring this up if I was sober, but I want to get some answers about God. And so she starts with this question about fate. Fate. Is there just fate or is there free will? And is God causing everything to happen? Or how many know that people have theological questions regardless of whether they go to church? People want to know how it works. And it was so interesting because we were not the only ones to give answers. Everybody had some opinions about, about how predestination works or fate and free will and how they work together. And, but then this, this led to other questions. My brother-in-law said, He asked this question. He said, what was the the point that it happened? How did the great turnaround come? And I'm going to be honest with you. They were really interested in what Alice was going to say, not what I say. They've heard me preach. They heard me talk a thousand times. Everybody wants to hear what Alice is going to say. Alice doesn't talk that much. What is Alice's story? And it was so beautiful. Alice got to tell her testimony how she got converted, how she became convinced that that Jesus was God and that the Bible was true and how she was born again and how her life was, and it wasn't her trying to tell it. They were asking. They wanted to hear this. Well, in this little sovereign environment, my brother asks me this question. Did you know up front how horrible the response was going to be to your faith? That you, you went through rejection with the family. Everybody thought you were in a cult. You lost friends. Did you? It's, it's like he had been holding on to this question for years, and here was an opportunity to ask the question. And I said to him, I said, you know, I, I, Jesus said that this, this is what it was going to be like. Jesus said, if you love father or mother or wife or children or, or, or spouse or even your own life more than me, you're not worthy of me. And you need to get ready. I didn't come to bring peace. I'm going to bring a sword. You're going to have enemies in your own household. It's going to be difficult. So I said, you know, I, I, I knew that up front. And so I, I give that answer. But after the night is over, I realize, oh my, that's not, that's, it sounded like I knew it all up front. I didn't know it up front. The first time I got saved, during finals week, I asked Jesus into my heart. I didn't even know what exactly was, what the gift was. I just knew this, I needed to be forgiven. I needed I needed forgiveness and I wanted to go to heaven and this is the prayer to pray and I prayed that prayer. But frankly folks, I went back home that summer, and I just, I lived exactly how I had always lived. I, I still drank with my friends, partied with my friends, swore like my friends. I, it, was, it was indistinguishable. I was still fitting in with the culture. I also would witness about Jesus. I remember when I came back to school and I'm living this, two, this double life, I, Bible study and then to the bars, I remember being in the bar and, and I'm witnessing to this guy about Jesus and he says this to me, I like you. I like you because you talk about God, but you're still just like us. You drink, you swear, you do everything we do, but you, you, and I'm just like, that doesn't seem right. Anyway, um, some, some, I, I'm not sure if that's a compliment. I'm not sure what to do with it. Anyway. So then I have an experience where God offers to me to return the gift. Here's how it happened. I got back from a weekend in Milton, and it was an amazing weekend. I was with my friends, I was with my family. The family band played, I played trumpet. We were a great success. There was a tennis tournament that weekend in Milton. I won the tournament, I am feeling good. I'm reviewing how great my life is and how wonderful it is. And I get a whisper in my mind, and here's the whisper. You can have all of this or God. I'm stunned. And, but, that, was, that sounds very cryptic, but I knew what it meant. I knew that if I was all in for Jesus, I knew exactly what the response would be. Here's why. We, that's how we treated people that were Jesus freaks. We, having a little religion is fine, but if you're too into it, you're a Jesus freak. And I knew how we talked about those people. I knew how my friends talked about people that were into G. We made fun of those people. We made fun of Campus Life. We made fun of the Christian group, the Jesus, Jesus, the born-agains. We made fun of them. I knew, I knew what God was asking. If I go all in, I'm going to be one of those people. I knew it. I knew it up front. But then I got a second sentence. And the second sentence was this. Choose whichever one you want, but whichever one you choose, which one will you wish you had chosen 100 years from now? And here's what I know, folks. I know this for a fact. 100 years from now, it's not going to matter what your neighbor thought about you. It's not going to matter what your husband thought about you. It's not going to matter what your wife thought about you. It's not going to matter what the Joneses thought about you. It's not going to matter what you thought about you. 100 years from now, let me tell you this. The only thing that's going to matter is what God thought about you. And I'm like, okay. So if I make this choice, a whole bunch of people are not going to like me down here. They're not going to, they will not understand. But I'll have no regrets in eternity. I'm like, "Hmm, okay, that's good enough. I'm going to stay with Jesus, and I'm actually going to do this thing. So I don't know how you got saved. I don't know what you thought it was when you raised your hand or when you prayed the prayer. It's probably impossible to grasp the cost of the gift right up front. But let me tell you something. At some point, you've got to decide whether this is going to be, if you're willing to embrace the cost of the gift. And if not, you can return it and do your own life. Find your own happiness. But before you return the gift, I just think it's fair Okay, you didn't. Ask, the, the gift is different than what you asked for. You just wanted forgiveness and eternal life, and no one, and God's love and comfort, and no one intruding on your life decisions, and but that's not the gift. It's, it turns out it's very intrusive. It's maybe very different than what you were hoping for. Okay, but before you before you send it back, let me tell you a few things that are in this gift. Okay, like here's here's the first one. Yes you absolutely do lose your independence. But here's what you gain. Union with God. Union with the God who knows you best and loves you the most and who created you for this very purpose. You, you're, you don't work right apart from union with God because you are created for this. You were created for eternal life. This is the best you. Second, yes, you do have to give up your anger and your grudges and your hatred. But here's what you get. You gain access to his love, even for your enemies, even for those who have abused you, even for those who have rejected you, even for those who have been mean to you. In fact, he may even redeem them and make them your friends. Has anybody seen the movie, I Can Only Imagine? Great. Me and one guy over here have seen that movie. (laughs) Guys, the the reason why that song was written was because of the, the guy who wrote it, his dad... His dad died, and his dad had become his best friend. His dad, growing up, was his worst enemy. He abused his mom, abused him. He hated his dad. He lived with hatred for his dad. And then God changed everything. It is a story of redemption. And then his dad goes to be with the Lord, and he loses his best friend and and. It, 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 he writes this song. just It just comes out of him. And that song goes crazy on all of the charts. Not just the, the religious stations, but the secular stations. And he ends up singing, I can only imagine, at the White House. And, and the, the message of redemption. God is able. If we will give him our hatred, we gain access to a love that you can't explain down here. Thirdly, yes... You lose control of your money. But let me tell you what. You gain access to his resources. And he's not just generous. There's no more generous being than God. But how many know it doesn't matter how generous a person is if they don't have any resources? (laughs) They're really, really generous, but they can't give anything because they don't have anything. God owns everything. He's not just generous. He's wealthy. He owns everything. The candle on a thousand, it's all His. Let me say one more thing about the money thing. God doesn't just take control of your money. He takes control of your problems. You end up with no problems that you have to face alone. God says, those are, those, those, because you're one with me, those problems are my problems. How many know God's really smart? There, seriously, he's got a solution for everything. It doesn't matter how bad it is, he's always got the next right thing to do. And he gives wisdom without finding fault. God loves to lead his children, he will show you the next right thing. This is amazing. There is no problem that he cannot solve. Amazing. And you gain access to that. Then, yes, yes, you do lose your right to set your own sexual boundaries. But here's what you get. You get his purity. You get a clean conscience. You gain his forgiveness. It doesn't matter how perverted or twisted and how long it went and how addicted you were and how horrible it was. You, here's the deal. You get forgiven. You get washed. You get clean. He washes it. He forgets it. You get a new beginning. And he doesn't just offer forgiveness. He offers healing. He can actually heal those things that are underneath addiction, that that are underneath what we keep falling towards. He can heal that which is in our hearts, and you gain access to that in this gift called eternal life. Yes, it's true. You lose your right to understand where you are going and why you are going there, but here's what you get you get his leadership. And you get his plan for your life, which, interesting, is way better than your plan for your life. It's inconvenient that he's the only one that knows that plan. He says, I know the plans you have for you. They're good. They're for a future and for hope. But you're going to have to trust me. And I'm gonna, I know the plan, and I'm going to show you one decision, one thing at a time. And it's really not that bad of a deal. And then, of course, finally, what do you get? In this gift. Before you send it back, here's what, here's what else you get. And this was the bottom line for Peter. Peter's like, Where else are we going to go? You have words of eternal life. Friends, there's an offer on the table for transient, temple, temporal human beings, sinful human beings, and it's stunning. It's eternal life. You can only get it in Jesus. He is the bread that came out of heaven to give. Zoe, to the human race. Let me tell you something about this eternal life. When you have eternal life in you, this, right now, is as close to hell as you'll ever be. How many know that hell and darkness have done a lot in this world? There's a lot of horrible things, aren't there? There's a lot of, there's a lot of dark things. There's a lot of horrible things. But that's as close to hell as you will ever get if you have eternal life. And you know what? Life down here, when you're with Jesus, it's not that bad. I'm going to end by giving you what Jesus said in reply. So he has this thing with the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler walks away sad. Uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, the, the, it's hard for the rich. Peter says, who can make it then? The rich, in the, in the Jewish mind, the rich were the most favored by God. And so if the rich can't make it, who can make it? And here's what Jesus says, it's impossible with man. But it, all things are possible with God. And then Peter says, well, what about us? We've left everything. You ask him to leave everything to follow you. We have left everything. I want you to hear what Jesus said back to Peter. This is, it's stunning. Mark chapter 10, 29 and 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, long of persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. Here's what he says if you will withhold nothing from me i will withhold nothing from you and it's not just in the life to come i'm a generous god i can favor you. I can bless you in every single, in your, in your finances, in your relationships. I, I, I don't need you to be uh, destitute down here to make you humble enough to go to heaven. I can bless you even down here. If you're willing to identify with me in such a way that you're okay with being persecuted and being one of those people, and you'll accept my, the cost of my gift, which is everything, I will give you everything because that's who I am. Could we have every head bowed and every eye closed? Worship team can come. I'm j- just going to give this this one. This is not the real call, but this is the first one because just because of what I've said today, it's possible you're here today, and you are not certain you have eternal life. You've never you've never asked Jesus. This is you've never before asked, opened your life and heart and said Jesus. I'm a sinner. Give me eternal life. The Bible says Jesus is standing at the door knocking. You you already heard the cost of it. It's going to mean a lot. But you have never opened your door and said, yes, Jesus, please come in and save me. This would be your first time. I just want to give this quickly, just in case there's somebody. If that is you, would you just raise your hand right now, high enough and long enough for me to see it, and we'll pray that prayer. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Anybody else by upraised hand? I see this hand over here. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Up, up in the balcony. I see that hand. God bless you. Okay. I would like everybody that raised their hand, just put your hand on your heart. I know, you're, I know that's the real thing today because I could not have been clear at <laughs> what the cost is. Pray something like this. Lord, I know... I just, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're good. I know you're loving and you are amazing. And God, I, it's stunning to me that you're offering this gift to someone like me. I hear you knocking. I'm opening my door by faith right now. Please God, come in and save me. I receive this gift called eternal life. Holy Spirit, fill me up. And I, I accept whatever this is gonna look like lead me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And then could we all stand together? Let me tell you the second altar call. Usually what we do is we bring the ministry teams up, we turn the lights up, and pe- people talk and start leaving, and which is just what they should do. Unless they want prayer, they come up. It's going to be a little different this morning. We're gonna turn the lights down. We're gonna open the altars up. And I want you to decide if you want the gift that's actually being offered. Maybe you've been disillusioned with your Christianity. Maybe you've been really disappointed with your Christianity. I want you to look at what the gift is that was being offered. And I want you to have a chance to lay a different foundation. I want you to have a time with God where he cuts out. The Holy Spirit will help you if you're holding on to something that is is making your Christianity something that it shouldn't be. The Holy Spirit will put the knife in and he'll say, there it is. And then you offer it to him and he'll cut it out and he'll free you this morning. The ministry teams we usually have come up, you can still come up, but I want you to just pray behind people. If you come up to the altar, know that you might get somebody to put a hand on your back and, and pray a prayer for you. Um, if you need to go, we certainly understand that. Just quietly, try to leave quietly. And, um, but please do business with God. Do pick up your kids though. Please pick up your kids. All right, God bless you.